0: Hi, everyone. This is Chris Lim with the Theotech Podcast. I'm really excited to have on the show today, Reverend Nima Cyrus-Franklin, the Stated Clerk for the Presbytery of the Pacific. Now, I want to apologize in advance because some of the audio quality wasn't so good during the recording. But what she has to say is so important, I think you're going to want to give it a listen. So without further ado, here it is.
1: It's a pleasure to be with you. Thank you, Chris.
0: Yeah, it's so it's so cool to be able to have this conversation, Nema. For our listeners who are not Presbyterian, could you explain a little bit more about uh, what a presbytery is and what your role in it is?
1: Absolutely, a presbytery really is a middle governing body. So we are connected to the Presbyterian Church USA, which is our national denomination, and um, there are about 180 or so presbyteries um, in the nation, and we to resource congregations in our greater Los Angeles area. And here in the Pacific Presbytery, we have 54 churches under our jurisdiction in greater Los Angeles and in Hawaii. And in terms of my role, our my role is called the stated clerk. And what I do is really am the official archivist for our presbytery. And so I manage and record in perpetuity all of the business and the records um, that that take place in our presbytery. All of the clergy who are under our jurisdiction uh, come through my office. um, And I do a lot of communicating with the national office, making sure all of our forms and paperwork, all of our minutes that we do for our meetings are up to par and accurate. And so I do a lot of the parliamentary procedures as well. So when we have our meetings, I make sure everything is in order. And so I am the official keeper, if so to speak, of our, gov- one of our form of government, our book, book of order. And so mm-hmm. I think everything is um, in order based on our governance.
0: So it sounds like you're kind of the glue that actually keeps the denomination connected.
1: Uh, one of the arms, um, yes. Yes, that's true.
0: Yeah, at the presbytery level. Because I know from my experience growing up, I was in a small ethnic uh, church growing up and and frankly, it, it probably didn't matter if we were Presbyterian or not in, in that local level because we just never really felt connected to the rest of the the national church, the Presbytery level. And so I've, I think that your work is so important because without you and the other executive Presbyterians and everyone kind of being involved in our local churches, it's really hard to stay connected or to feel that way.
1: That's true. Absolutely. And that's part of the reason why I wanted to be in this role, part of the reason. And that is because when I was growing up, we, my church was a smaller membership church, also an ethnic um, church, African-American church. And we were very connected, actually, to our presbytery and to them. Mm. It has everything to do with the pastor and your leadership in congregations and how one's connection kind of is introduced. And so at an early age, I think I was about 13, um, when I really got my introduction into the national church. And so I started serving Once I became a ruling elder at 13 in different capacities. And so I was asked to be a part of our synod, which is the next higher council over the presbytery, and um, started sharing ideas and things from a young person's perspective. Um, And then from there, I was connected into the national office. And so as I was an older teen and um, young adult, I did a lot of traveling with the national church and I went to our national business meetings. And so it really gave me a breath and a scope of the work of the church at an early age. And so I've always had that connection. And so in my work, I've been working in presbyteries, three different presbyteries now for almost 13 years. And a part of that for me has been to make sure that our congregations understand what the presbytery does for them, how we resource our congregations, uh, and as well to, to let them know they're not in ministry alone. Mm-hmm was a lot of the feedback that I got when I was visiting my congregations that the local people really don't get to interact very often with presbytery if it's not intentional relationship that's being built and so that's part of the the ministry that I feel I've been called to is to help to teach our faith and help to share how it is that we're connected and how we can all work together to bring God's reign here on earth.
0: Yeah, thank you. That's pretty incredible. And thanks for sharing that story. I didn't realize that at age 13, you could already be a ruling elder. That's uh, pretty amazing.
1: <laughs> yes, this depends on um, the signs of a person's readiness. And, mm-hmm. and that's the beautiful thing, I think, of smaller membership congregations, because they are constantly, in my experience, constantly teaching, and everybody plays a role, because church doesn't happen without its volunteers. And so, my congregation saw the value that um, showing, helping a young person to figure out what their gifts early could do. um, Even me as an introvert person, we were always given announcement. And so in an early age, I was really kind of encouraged to share my voice, to be part of the church and the life of the church. And so when they saw I had a propensity toward <laughs> meetings and mm-hmm. things like that. You know, they said, and you have good ideas, and we can learn from each other. And so they took me under uh, their wings at an early age. And so I began to read the Book of Order at 13. I began to understand the connections of the church, the committees that were taking, had jurisdiction in the in the congregation and how they served the congregation. So I learned a lot at an, at an early age, and it was really, really formative, obviously. Yeah.
0: Yeah, getting you ready to become a professional parliamentarian. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's, I, I love that story because it is an example of how churches become a platform for uh, followers of Jesus to use their gifts for the gospel to serve the broader church. Like it's, it's a beautiful picture that they're empowering you and, and unleashing you to use your gifts this way.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. And I'm I'm forever indebted. And so that's why a part of um, my my call to ministry has been um, to make sure that people. Understand our connectionalism and um, to p- play a role in that connectionalism as well.
0: Yeah, what are some of those challenges that you face as you go around doing this uh, in teaching that connectionalism and sustaining it?
1: Uh, I would say the challenge is that from my perch, it's really hard to engage those people here in Los Angeles area specifically. Let me speak about my current location. Okay. Because we are over and we have so many things to compete with church. Mm. Asking a person uh, to come outside of their world and to learn some of the denser parts of their faith is quite challenging. So you have to find creative ways to teach the faith and to teach uh, what it means to be a Presbyterian and to, in the midst of all of that, build relationships. And so Part of the thing is just showing up and being present um, and letting folks, excuse me, allow me to meet people when I go out to congregations just for worship, just just as a face in the crowd to say, hi, I'm one of your Presbytery representatives. Um, I'm just here to worship with you, and I wanted to meet as many of you as I, as I can.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and so just making those initial connections to let them know, hey, this is uh, who I am. This is what I do. This is how... I can partner with you in ministry. These are the resources that I have available to me for your congregation. And so people begin opening up their world of imagination once those, and it's it's not initially saying, hey, come to my workshop, Uh, but it's just, I'm here. How can I be of service to you in the ministry that God is calling this congregation and you to? And so I would say that the challenge is just because there's so few of us here in the office now, uh, it's harder to get out and be as active in the congregation while getting our work done at the same time in terms of the the business, the deadlines, parts of the job that have to get done.
0: Mm. And how, like, as I understand it, Presbyterian, the Pacific spans from LA all the way to Hawaii. Is that right?
1: <laughs> That's correct.
0: So how does that even happen at Hawaii, for example?
1: Well, we have a wonderful connection across the pond, as we say.
0: Uh-huh.
1: Uh, we have, five business meetings a year, and that brings all of our clergy and our commissioners. Those are the elected leaders from congregations designated to attend our presbytery meetings so that we can have a full breadth and scope of and representation of the membership of our churches. So commissioners change uh, regularly, and clergy members are always invited to come. So our there is a budget item for our minister members who are coming from Hawaii, so they are uh, they can fly in as they feel led. They can come to all the meetings or, or uh, we encourage them to come to at least two a year, be privy to what's going on. But still, uh, even if they aren't able to come, our business uh, minutes are always shared with our constituent members so that they're up to date as to what's going on and how they can be involved in the life and ministry of the Presbytery. And so we do a lot with our committee, our commission called um, Commission on Ministry, which really resources all of our congregations, those who are already installed pastors or leaders of our churches. And we help to make sure that they have the resources that they need in order to effectively uh, pastor and lead a church. We also, the COM also um, helps those who are not in a congregational context. And so we call that uh, affectionately validated ministries. And so those ministries are where people might be in hospitals, um, they might be in nonprofits, uh, but different way, or even in education and academics. And so we wow. see the breadth and scope of, of ministry far reaching outside even the congregational level. And so being connected to Hawaii is important because we wanted uh, representation uh, of the Presbyterian faith there. And we have six congregations that are there. Mm-hmm. And so we, we do, uh, and our pastors are, are very active surprisingly in our presbytery and they offer a lot for us as well
0: that's really cool like there's actually two thoughts that i want to bring up one is off topic and i'll do that first and then the second one is more on topic the off topic one is uh, what would it actually take to create validated ministries that would send chaplains or uh, like pastors into the marketplace so into like uh, amazon microsoft facebook google like we have all these companies here in seattle and there's believers there and i just wonder how they might be able to provide support for them and what it would look like for the church to, to kind of unleash pastors and chaplains into this marketplace kind of setting.
1: Well, we we really work with the gifts and skills of our pastors. So as those emerge, um, those gifts and skills emerge from the pastoral leadership that we have, we say go into the world and share uh, Christ's love and faith with all you you serve. And so we encourage that. And so currently, we don't have that expression right now with the ministers that are, are present. But yeah. we encourage that. And so um, it's not a hard thing at all. The question is, is there a space that is open for that type of uh, chaplain uh, position in a commercial or a secular workplace?
0: I um, see. Yeah, because like it seems like it's always been limited to maybe military hospitals, nonprofits, like those tend to have space for that, but haven't seen it as much in the marketplace?
1: Well, I think with the younger generation of faithful, those who are discerning calls to become a, a clergy person, we are seeing more and more new types of, of, of entry points into sharing the faith as a, from a clergy perspective in the secular workplace. Uh-huh. Um, and so I think it just depends on the imagination of the clergy person and how far reaching they can be. Um, but I think that we have a lot of, one of, the, one of our tenets is that we are, um, every member of our, our church is a, is a minister. And uh-huh. so that is, that is an essential piece for us that we believe that we all are called. And you don't have to be a clergy person so that even as a person of faith in the Presbyterian tradition, you are a minister in whatever vocation that you have. Um, And so we're hoping that we can have more uh, clergy presence, so to speak, in the workplace. And I think it's just a matter of time for us to begin to see that as the world of tech opens up, um, as we become more skilled in tech, I think that we might see that even more because the ability is great and wide.
0: Yeah, Absolutely. So, Nima, can you share with us how technology is actually helping you in your work and your ministry and how it's strengthening the connectionalism of our church?
1: Well, oh, The beauty of our presbytery is that we are extremely diverse. And I know for sure that we have at least uh, 12 different languages spoken within our congregations. And so we have folks from all over. And so it's important that we communicate in the language of the people. Um, because we don't want there to be an impediment to the gospel and to the resources that are available to our congregation. So we see it as an important way to make sure that we are being like Christ, to be hospitable to those um, that we are in ministry with and alongside. And so And and we don't want language to be a barrier, especially in the age of technology when you can open up your phone and I can speak to a person from across the world and my phone is translating for us. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: So the question is, why couldn't something like that be possible um, when we're having our our regular scheduled meetings? Uh, And that would actually bring in a greater diversity into um, our space for the representation that we do have. Mm -hmm. And so we wanted to make sure that we have spaces that will welcome
2: all of our members. We want to make sure that uh, the message is shareable to all and available and accessible to all. And so part of that for us, because of the great diversity here within our Presbytery, we saw technology as being able to make a bridge for those that we could not reach before. And so before we, we saw this issue, you know, years ago and just didn't quite have the technology or the money to really put into, um, truly affect the translation services. And so I remember probably 20 years ago, we had the, this huge trunk that we would have to cart around that was like 50 pounds, and had all these headphones and connections that you had to make Um, and it was just cumbersome and it was very difficult and we had to have available people to translate and it was very costly to bring in people to translate for our meetings um, with all the language all the languages that we have represented so it just kind of slapped off because we just couldn't afford it uh, with our budget and and then we learned about you all. And, he, and I'm so excited about Spifio and Theotech, Tech with what we can do here in our presbytery for the people we want to serve in, in ministry. And so the technology has helped us to reach our members that we could not before. And that is so wonderful that we can be a place that's open and welcoming
0: to all of our members. How did you actually hear about Spifio?
2: Actually, in the, the last general... Um, Assembly, and I forget where it was located, but our Executive Presbyter, General Presbyter, excuse me, Linda, Reverend Linda Culbertson, was at the General Assembly, and I believe there was an announcement that was given about Stifio there, and she heard about it. She's not a tech person at all, and she came back to the office and told me about it, and she asked me to look into it to see if it was something that we could possibly uh, do in our Presbytery, and so that's when I, I started to do a little research I watched all the videos and I connected and was able to touch base with miss um, Natasha Lim who has been so informative professional and in helping me to get all of the items that I need the tech that I needed to be able to make our meetings translatable and translation ready and so I have I have had a great experience we are I think six or seven sessions in and working with you all with Scipio and so it's just it's been a learning process, but a good process. And, and our members are really seeing the effort that we're making to be, uh, connected.
0: Yeah, that's, uh, that's really great. I, I remember meeting Linda actually at GA, uh, cause we went to a Taiwanese church together to visit and, uh, she was amazing. And I was so grateful when we got connected with you as a result of that connection there. So yay for Presbyterian. Yeah. <laughs> yay. <laughs> I
2: know yeah. that's, that's the national office working.
0: <laughs> that's right. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. uh, and then, yeah, so I'm really glad to hear that um, it's helpful and that it's able to solve, kind of help you include people who couldn't be included before in a way that's sustainable. That was a big reason why we wanted to build a solution that could scale that way, because like you said, it's just, it was really cumbersome and difficult to support. You have 12 languages, you said, in your presbytery?
2: At least, at least.
0: At least 12. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So one big, um, I think, special thing about you is that you have that courage to take on the technology and to experiment, to figure it out, and to keep keep iterating until you get to a place where you have a great solution. You know, is that just part of who you are? Is there any way that you could encourage others, uh, other presbyters, other stated clerks, other uh, people who might really have this heart, this desire to include people from many languages in their meetings, in their gatherings, but the technology is kind of scary to try to take on
2: it. Yes. Well, I think... You know, it really, I have had several uh, presbytery execs and state of courts actually call me because they found out we were using Vivio and wanted to hear from me, my pros and cons. And I, I just share with them, if we are about connecting to all of our membership and our leaders within our congregations, it behooves us to figure it out. Mm. And so part of it, so yes, it is because. My my diligence and perseverance in this area is partly because of my personality, but I just celebrated a year in my ordination yesterday.
0: Congratulations.
2: And thank you. And one of the wonderful things that happened when I was being examined on the floor of presbytery before I was ordained, I was asked by one of our minister members, how will you help those of us for whom English is not a first language connect?" Mm. And I was really challenged by that particular question that one of our pastors asked. And because I lived a life that was always so inclusive of so many different types of people and diversity with where I grew up, I grew up in Sacramento, California, mm. and my um, elementary school and my high school, there was no majority. We, there were in my high school, it was 40 languages spoken, 35 nationalities represented, and so when I actually left Sacramento, I had never experienced a world that was so segregated,
1: Mm -hmm.
2: and so that was new to me, and so I was always used to listening to different cultures. Speaking in the background, um, my dad always joked that um, when my friends got together that we were a meeting of the United Nations because there were so many people and nations uh, represented with my, my core friend group. And so I always had a love since I was young for different cultures. So part of that is within me because of my own experience. And because I am a person of color, I know what it means to be sitting outside on the margins. When I was the only person of color at some of our um, uh, larger church events where it was predominantly white, and I didn't speak the language, though we both shared English as our main language, I didn't share the culture. And so there was a lot of um, things that I remember feeling like I was an outsider when I would go to these uh, events and things. And so... That question that the pastor asked me in my examination was so crucial because that is who I am, and I wanted to make it a part of my ministry going forward in uh, my, my ordained ministry. Because I had been already been serving the church for over 20 years, I'm just not in a clergy capacity. As uh-huh. I was, kid. and so I see that as my mission to make sure that the gospel is reachable to all of us. And so I just encourage folks to persevere. If you're not a tech person um, and you don't like dabbling or even trying in tech, there are people around you in your presbytery who might. And so it's very difficult for me to be a state clerk and to run a meeting and to be worried about, is, are the tech connections working for our translation equipment? So I just asked at one of our meetings, I said, I need some help. This is a very simple setup. And I just want to know if there's anybody who's willing to learn. And I actually had a person come forward who volunteered to give their time and their energy. She said, I am not a tech person, but I do want to serve in whatever capacity I can. And this is simple enough. And so I wanted, based on what she said, so I wanted to try it. And so she, Natasha and I got together a couple of weeks ago and she was trained on how to on all the equipment you had, we had to purchase in order to make our meetings connect to Sifio and for the translation to work. And she went through the process. We had our meeting two weeks ago without a hitch. And so it's just, (laughs) that's great. (laughs) Yeah. And so the thing is, you have to have someone who's willing to try. And so I would encourage those folks who don't feel the willingness or they get anxiety when they try tech or tech doesn't work and they get frustrated, um, to have a partner and to help walk through, you know, all of the steps to make sure that your connectivity, uh, you're connected and it's working. And so, like I said, Natasha was incredible to work with us, and she's given so much of our time to make sure that we're up and running for our meetings, and so that has never been an issue for us. The The only issue that we've ever faced was not physio or our lack of, of tech knowledge. It was just perhaps internet connection, <laughs> mm-hmm. so, yeah. so we've learned that, I, I and I, I shared that, you know, some of our congregations do have cathedral-type stone walls, you know, the 10-inch thick walls or deeper. Mm-hmm. And so it's just a difficult place for the internet to be um, sustainable. So that was the only difficulty that we really had, had seen other than our human error. So so it's been fine. It's been great.
0: That's really helpful. Thank you. And by the way, we're working on a solution for the cathedrals too. It's possible to get a Wi-Fi router that has a antenna that separates from it so you could put it through a window or something and get... Uh,
2: oh, forged. nice.
0: Yeah, so there's a way. We want to get it to the point where you have a parliamentarian go kit. You can go anywhere in the world, and you can run your meeting and have it translated uh, just in a box um, kind of thing. That would be really cool.
2: Now, that's exciting. I'm all, this, I'm all for it. Awesome. And then just showing, because um, one of the things that's so impressive when I go to congregations, at least what they say is so impressive, because I come with my little kit, and I'm walking in, and you know it's a little small box, and I pull it out, and I have all this stuff that I'm connecting and so they're just intrigued initially by the setup and the fact that it lives in this small little space and I'm connected to someone in the universe who's listening in on the other (laughs) side and translating that's just it mesmerizes people when I'm doing this and you know because I've practiced a lot with Natasha when I you know go around before the meetings and trying to make sure this thing is working and all that and people really do stop and, and I'm telling you two to three minutes they're talking with me about what I'm doing and um, how we're connecting in our meetings with the translation and so the, the energy and excitement and curiosity is there there was one guy who called me from another presbytery it was predominantly like most of them like midwest kind of a presbytery and he says you know i just don't know if we can afford it two thousand dollars is a lot of money and i said there is no amount of money that this is priceless to be able to connect our members with one another um and that is the gospel where we go through the river over the river and through the woods to make sure that um, the gospel is is shared and this is a part of that and so i said this this is how we need to live into ministry in the 21st century. This is the 21st century and beyond. Um, and we've got to move into doing new things that involve tech in ministry just for that fact. Or otherwise, we will be left behind and we will die.
0: Wow, that's very profound.
2: Because wow. the ministry in... America is a ministry that is diverse and inclusive in language. And if we don't, if we're not accepting that on in this at this particular time in our history and where our nation is, we need to crawl up in a cave and, and declare ourselves done.
0: Yeah. Yeah. This is an opportunity actually for us as the church to bear witness to the kingdom and to kind of Absolutely. lead the way. We get to lead the way we with innovation. To. We don't have to actually Please follow.
2: To. That's right. that's why I'm so excited for you guys
0: (laughs) thank you Yeah. well thank you so much Nima I've really enjoyed uh, hearing your story hearing about how the Presbytery works how we can make it more inclusive of people of other languages Um, and I'm just really encouraged just by your perseverance and how God's using you to be that connection and to connect uh, the body of Christ so thank you so much for joining us on the Theotech podcast today Thank
2: you for having me.
0: And everyone else who's listening, I'm really grateful for you as well. And you can follow us um, on Patreon or on our Theotech.org website. Until next time, thank you. Goodbye.